And it is because of Jesus that today is truly glorious. We welcome you to a very special Resurrection Lord's Day broadcast of Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Luke chapter 24 is a marvelous account of the risen Christ speaking to two unsuspecting men on a road. We will jump into Luke chapter 24 at verse 17. Today, we will see that our resurrected Savior taught the Old Testament scriptures to those men. Oh, how very important the Bible is. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Verse 17. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? Of course, the risen Christ didn't lack the information. He never asked the question because he didn't know what they were talking about. He knew intimately well what they were talking about. He asked the question so he could teach them. We see the exact same thing going on in verse 19. And he said to them, what things? He asked the question to get into a theological lesson for them. And of course, our Lord Jesus often used this questioning technique of teaching during his three and a half years of public ministry. Let's go on and read a larger portion of our text now, verses 18 to 24. Well, let's pick it up at 17. And he said to them, what are these words you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. Really, of course, Cleopas had it dead right. Jesus is a prophet, but he's far more than that. He is also the king. He is prophet. He is priest. But he is also king. Jesus is mighty in deed and word. Cleopas had it right. The Jewish leaders pushed hard for his resurrection. Yes, that's accurate history. The nation was hoping that Jesus would redeem them, but mostly from the Roman Empire's military occupation, but not deliver them necessarily from their sins. Cleopas had it right. May I be blunt? Let me directly ask each of you here this morning in Easter Sunday worship, from what are you hoping that Jesus Christ will loosen you? From what are you hoping that Jesus Christ will loosen you today? Sickness is not a big enough thing. 
Money problems are not a big enough thing. Marriage breakdown is also not a big enough thing. Unemployment is not a big enough thing. Prodigal children is not a big enough thing. The only thing which is big enough from which the crucified and risen from the dead Savior should release you is sin. Specifically sin's penalty, sin's pleasure, sin's power, and one day sin's presence. Have you let Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, do that for you? Have you allowed him to loosen you from your sins and all of their consequences? The good news of the Bible is that God loves sinners, and he's come to us when we could not come to him. And the way he chose to come to us was by giving us his best, his sinless, spotless, single, only son, who was crucified Good Friday, who shed his blood to pay for your sins and my sins, and who offers us forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future, if we will but trust him alone to be our sin remedy. Have you ever done that? No one can do that for you. And the gift of salvation, like any wonderful gift, isn't yours until you've received it. Intelligence about salvation does not equal being saved. So going back to Cleopas, he also had it right with respect to Jesus is totally alive from the dead. See verses 25 and 27. He said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Will you notice with me, please, that the Lord Jesus Christ on this road to Emmaus, that he was scripture-focused. He didn't tell them interesting stories or jokes. He focused on the scriptures. And Jesus Christ linked the men he was walking with, he linked their foolishness to their slowness to believe what the Old Testament scriptures said about him. Verse 25 again. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ intended to correct misinformation and when he intended to educate in the truth, he prioritized God's revealed written word. Jesus taught them the scriptures. In verse 25, the phrase is the prophets. The prophets there are referenced by the Lord Jesus. And the prophets was a common Jewish label for the major prophets to Israel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Plus the minor prophets to Israel. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. When Jesus said, you're foolish because you haven't paid attention to and believed the prophets, Jesus was saying, you are Old Testament Jews who have the Old Testament Bible and you're foolish in your unbelief about me because you're ignorant to what you have in your Bibles. Similarly, church, we are foolish if we miss 
that biblical truth all revolves around Jesus Christ. When I look at verse 27, I think it makes two things very clear. Let me read it. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Two things are clear from this one verse. Number one, our Lord systematically taught these men on that road, the Old Testament Bible. That's how he used the choice hours. Didn't tell them stories. He didn't tell them jokes. He taught them the Old Testament scriptures in those choice hours. He saw teaching them the Old Testament scriptures as being vitally key. He saw that as being the first thing to do when it came to getting people straightened out and right about what they believe. Christ saw the Old Testament Bible as being profoundly relevant in and of itself. This being said, why do so many evangelical churches in the West request that their preachers and Bible teachers work to make the Bible relevant? I appreciate what a California preacher John MacArthur said to a room full of pastors in Toronto when I was in attendance years back. The cry for relevance is the road to irrelevance. The Bible is not to be made relevant. The Bible is relevant. The second thing I see in verse 27 is that all of those Old Testament Bible books pertain to Jesus Christ. He said all things concerning himself in all the scriptures. 27 again. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in, if you write in your Bible, circle all the scriptures. You can't go to an Old Testament book of the 39 and not find Christ in that book. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve the youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue on our series on Lifeline talking about friendships on friendships that we need friendships that we desire and today we want to look at Luke chapter 4 14 and 21 and Acts chapter 2 42 to 47 it says this in Luke chapter 4 verse 14 and 21 says then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity he was teaching the synagogues being praised by everyone he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me. To preach good news to the poor, he has sent me. To proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began saying to them, Today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. You see, Jesus came to set people free. Spiritually, yes, but in a bunch of ways, too. Jesus came to change the world. That's what Jesus desired. Jesus' desire was to come and change the world. And you see, when he came to this earth, he showed us it, and he lived an example for us. An example that we can look to and say, This is how we're supposed to live. You see, it's just like me telling someone what to do. But if I don't show them, how can they know exactly what I want them to do? 
You see, I think too many times today, that's our problem. Our problem is we just want to do and tell people what to do, but we don't want to show them. And this is what we look at while he was on the earth. Jesus did all things as he said he would do. But when he left the earth thousands of years ago, he wasn't done. Jesus didn't come so far to go through so much and defeat sin and death just to make a few wrongs right during that short time. He was physically on earth. His plan is much bigger than that and involves us. Through Jesus, we can be united not only with God in heaven, but also God's purpose on earth. Our purpose is to join Jesus on his mission to make wrong things right in the world. In Jesus, we are called and empowered to change the world together. And Jesus returned from the dead. He sent his friends to carry out the message of hope all over the world. Jesus says his spirit will go with them. And they should share the good news with everyone they meet. As we think of that, Jesus said it's better for me to go. It's better for me to send my spirit who lives in you. And I think that sometimes we quench the spirit in the sense of we don't look at the Holy Spirit. We, we Some people, and I, I'm reading a book one time, we would rather have Jesus than to have the Holy Spirit. And that's what's so sad today is that we would rather just focus on Jesus when we have the Spirit that lives in us, that helps us, that convicts us, that shows us things in our lives. And as we think of that, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says that they devote themselves to the apostle teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and so many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. As any had need, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see, after Jesus left the earth, they left his friends with a mission. The friends he left behind came together to be lifelines for each other as they changed the world in Jesus' name. Their love for each other changed them, changed the world, and gave the whole world an example of the world-changing power of godly community. This community, Jesus' followers and friends, didn't look at the world, get overwhelmed with their job, or give up. As we consider this, we need to understand just what Jesus is trying to do, and he's trying to teach us even today that we need to be united. You see, the early church showed that friendship can be a powerful force. They all stuck together, and none of them had any needs. That's world changing. When we consider our world today, and even as we consider when this you know broadcast, and we consider just what we've been going through in the world today, As we look around, people have been wondering, hey, what is going on? And we need to understand that Christ is still on the throne. And we need people to encourage us. We need people around us. We need people to be there with us. And as as the church, we need people. The church needs to be united. They need to come together and be a light that shines in a dark place. And that's what Jesus did when he left. He said, he told the disciples, I want you to preach the gospel. Tell people about me. You see, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what can happen when you have godly friendships, friendships that imitate Jesus. With godly friendships, we said you will have a chance to be real. You'll have a chance to grow. And you have a chance, a group that won't leave you all alone. And as we wrap up this series, we want to think of one more thing, that godly friendships can change the world. You see, godly friendships can change everything around us. 
You see, godly friendship can change the world in this way. The friends who followed Jesus did much more than just fix a problem here and there. They created a new way of living that prioritized the needs of others. They shared everything. They got creative. They got together regularly. They ate meals together. They thanked God together. They gave Jesus credit. And I think for us as, as the church today, as Christians, if we look at this and we say to ourselves, we need to get back to the basics of what the church is all about. We need to get back to the basics of saying, you know what? I want to stand for Christ. And I want to be the church. I want to be the church to those around me because we are living in a dark place. And I think that that is key for us because we need to recognize that unless the church is united and we come together, this world will never change. And we need to stop being one for each other, but we need to be one in Christ. Because Christ left us with this command that we preach the gospel and that we show the love of Christ and that we become one. And the early church showed us this picture and they showed us by an example and they didn't just tell us, they, they, it tells us exactly what they did. I ask you, when is the last time you've done life with somebody? When's the last time that you've ate a meal with people? When you thank God, pray together. When's the last time you've opened your Bible together? You see, this is what godly friendships can do. It will and can change the world. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pleased to have uh, Brother Benny and Sister Lena in the radio studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, You're both very positive Christians. But I wonder as you, excuse me, as you look at the church, the evangelical church in America, and dare I say in the Bahamas, um, what are some concerns that you have for uh, the non-persecuted evangelical church? One of my friends who is from Iran, he always says this to me. Benny, the church in America, in the West, is sleeping to devil's lullaby. Mm. And they are not awake and vibrant as those who are persecuted in the persecuted churches that we see. And as I was sharing yesterday, you know, people in in areas like China will love to see the freedom that we have in, in America or the uh, rest of the world. But as the pastor said, uh, I shared the story about how this pastor went to China and he was there at that meeting. He saw how two by two people came into this worship and they sat from eight in the morning till eight in the night and uh, nobody was tired. They were didn't have any comfortable pew or anything. They were all sleep sitting on the floor. Mm. The same thing in India when our conference happened. Uh, people were all sitting on the dirt and they the service started from eight in the morning till um, around three o'clock in the afternoon. By the time the service was over, we were all getting into the van. The American friends who were visiting us and were part of the medical team, uh, one of the ladies calling the pastor and saying that, Pastor Butch, we attended the service for over four hours today. That means 
next four Sundays we won't be coming to church. Mm. So that tells you, and I see that even in my own church in uh, Lynchburg when I'm there. At, right at, at the dot of 12 o'clock, I can hear people's watch going beeping. We don't have any time to sit in uh, the presence of God, to listen to Him. We feel like in America, I see is they want to come, tip God, and go and do what they like to do, but are not involved in evangelism and outreach to love others, to care. Not all of them, but there are, you know, uh, churches who do that, but. Uh, most of them are listening to the lullaby of Satan and sleeping. And we cannot condemn them or we don't go against them. But we need to do is uh, share the love to them. And they need to have a passion. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, for the word of God. That's when you will understand the need for man and the urgency to reach others that will come in their heart. And uh, as they read this word, I think that will help them to understand. But I, I feel that, you know, the Western church is not uh, as active as we see uh, in other parts of the world. So earlier days, uh, it was very disappointing. I would go to India or some other country and enjoy that time of fellowship there and then I'll come back and I, I'm like this helium balloon with, as you just mentioned, you know, all full drunk with the Spirit of God coming over here mm -hmm. and um, when you're here, the, the people will take a small needle and break this helium balloon mm. and pop it and we lose the power in that and then you become one like them complacent you know uh, not uh, feeling like hey they are doing anything I don't want to be involved here what can I do so it is there but uh, we those who know we need to pray that there will be a revival coming into America, to the Western world. And that's a prayer we should be praying. And that's where we should be engaged in sharing the love. People always ask me that, hey, Benny, what should we do in reaching the nations? I would say it's a twofold thing, locally and globally. Yes. But locally, if you're not doing anything, don't try to go globally and do anything. There is importance in taking care of, you know, Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And we have been forgetting that. When you get on an airplane, uh, they give you the first instruction of how the security system is. And if the cabin pressure goes down, um, you know, the oxygen mask will come. Before assisting others, you put your mask on. Yes. And uh, and breathe normally. I don't know how you can breathe normally <laughs> when, when that mask is on. Perfect. So he's saying breathe normally. America has been putting mask on others. Instead of putting on them. Mm. And when you look at the American nation itself, there are so many unreached areas right there uh, where people from all walks of life from around the world is coming there. And we have a great opportunity to reach them there. But nobody cares about that. They're all caring about other worlds, going to be a secret missionary somewhere else. I would encourage them is try to look right there. Put the mask on first so that you can save yourself so that you can be a help somewhere else. Otherwise, 
soon America will be like Europe and other nations, which will have, you know, no gospel um, heritage or anything like that left because uh, the way we are going right now. Yes, that's so helpful. I hear you saying three things that would be necessary for the church in the West, the unpersecuted church, to be turned around and revived. You spoke of the Word, the Bible. You spoke of prayer, and you spoke of evangelism. The Word is God talking with us. Prayer is us talking with God. And evangelism is us talking with the lost about our God. Yes. And um, those will jumpstart an individual Christian's walk with the Lord. And it's only when individual Christians walks with the Lord are revived that their churches will be revived. And when churches are revived, a nation can be revived. Um, It's been our privilege to live and minister in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas for five years now. And people say, what is it like to live there? We say the weather is great, but the people are better. And it's true, Bahamian people are wonderful people. But we have many Bahamian people who uh, believe because Grammy loved the word, prayed, and told others about Christ, that they are Christians, that they're fine. And uh, there's a, almost in some quarters a lip service, knowing the language of the church but not necessarily knowing the Lord of the church. And so, please, when you think of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas after your time here has concluded, will you pray for for me and for the the members of our church, Calvary Bible Church, and for our listeners on the radio that know Christ, that we will um, give the Word of God the proper place in our daily living? And give the proper place in our daily living to talking with God about all matters in prayer. And that you give prayer that God would give us a burden to share what he has done for us to save us and to make us new creations so that many more Bahamians will come to genuinely know and trust Christ and love Jesus and and serve Jesus. That would be such a blessing. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. Savior.